finally stopped raining, so um, you guys can walk yourselves to your cars now. Um, but um, how many of you guys were here last week? Two of you were. Okay, four, five. Okay, a few of you were. All right. Um, Sarah did a great job last week talking about fathers and um, how our father is a good father. Um, I'm going to have a little fun with you guys today. So um, I need you guys to, uh, this is going to be audience participation. There we go. Um, So I need you guys to close your eyes for a minute. I'm going to steal all your wallets while your eyes are closed and your purses. So uh, put them out in the front because I don't want to fight you for them. Um, Okay, so I'm going to describe this to you and I want you guys to start to think about this because it helps when you can picture this in your mind. So I'm, I'm going to, lead into this. And there's, there's this man and he has a dream. And in this dream, he, uh, he steps out of his front door and he sees this old car. It's all beat up. You know, you can see through the floorboards, the, the, the floor mat sticking through. Um, the mufflers kind of hang in there. If there's any of the exhaust left, I don't know. Um, the car is beat up pretty bad. He has to wiggle the handle to get in. Um, and he gets in and there's this old man and he's sitting there and they're driving around. This old man's driving around and this old man is, is showing him around town and he's driving around town and he's pointing out houses and places and people and he's pointing out the people on the street and when he's driving around, he's, he's pointing out people and he's telling them about their sin. He's pointing to this person, oh, they did this and he's pointing to this person and this is a failure they had in their life. And this is their shortcoming, and this is their behavior. And this is the person who doesn't do this, and this is the person who doesn't do that. And these are the attitudes that they have, and this is why they need to get on track. He sounds angry. He's bitter. He's frustrated. He's talking about the reason why God is angry with all these people, and... He's explaining why God is not blessing this person and why God is not blessing this family because of their, their, the different things in their life that they're doing. I want you to open your eyes up. Did you see that car? You can picture that car because all of us have had that beater car and you're all picturing that beater car or some beater car that you've had in, in your life. For us, it was a 91 Dodge Dynasty with an extension cord throughout the... Uh, the, uh, the hood so it would run. And, and I want you to picture that old man. You guys all know this one old guy in your life that is just the most orneriest, cantankerous person ever. And he's always in the, and can you imagine him pointing out, well, driving by town, oh, this person, they live here and this is what they've done in their past. And this is this person and, and they're not doing this right. And this is the reason why God is not blessing this family because they're not this and they're not doing this. Why don't you close your eyes again? Second night, there's a dream. Old man steps, this guy steps out, and in front of him is the most beautiful car he's ever seen. You guys are all picturing something. For me, it was the Ferrari I saw on the Arby's parking lot yesterday. The man gets into the car. It's a beautiful car. It's got every bell, every whistle, everything that you can possibly think of on a car you could get. He has it on that car. 
but it's the same old driver. But this time they drive the same streets, the same people, they point out their same sins and failures, but this time he's a slightly a little bit more helpful. He's telling this man how he's going to start programs and he's going to start classes and he's training programs to help people and to, in every area of their life so they can get out of whatever they're dealing with and empower them. But with the same message of what's wrong with them and how we're going to fix it. We're going we're to do whatever we can to fix every problem that they have. We're going to create everything possible to help them out of their problem. To help them out of their sin. To, to coax them out of their sin. All right, I want you guys to open your eyes. Did you guys picture that car? Some of you had that picture in your mind of the, the most beautiful car you've ever seen or the car that is your dream car. What was the difference between the first and the second one? It was, there was two different, there was two differences. Was the vehicle, and the second one, and the second one was the programs and the different ways that they were going to help people out. But those two things have one thing in common. They're still pointing out what sin was. Close your eyes again. Do any of you fall asleep? I'll wake up with this glass of water I have. All right. So the next time he steps out of his front door and there's the same car there. Beautiful car, amazing. Every bell, every whistle, every thing you could possibly think of on it. GPS, voice navigation, you know, the car talks to you like a night rider. It's the same car, but in that driver's seat is a young man, a new person sitting in that driver's seat. They drive the same streets. They see the same exact people. And he starts to point out who they are, saying, I like this person. He sees that person. He says, they don't even know who they are, but soon they will. This person doesn't really understand who they are and what they really could be, but soon they will understand that. This guy right here that we're looking at doesn't understand what he could do, but soon he will see. This person has anointing, and everywhere they, that person goes, chains will fall off, and she will hear the sound of chains falling off, but she hasn't realized that. Every person he sees, he has a blessing, he has a perspective. He keeps saying, I know who they are, and the driver consistently points to who they are. All right, open your eyes. We have three different scenarios, two different vehicles. And I'll explain this to you in just a moment here what the difference between all those are. In this last one, the driver, the, the young man, the new man, the new guy that's sitting in that car, he's 
he sees and he has a blessing. He has perspective of what he sees people, how he sees people. He keeps saying, I know who they are. The driver consistently points to their identity. He calls out, even though that person doesn't see who they are or act like they, they should because of things in their life, he continually looks past that and says, I see something in them. I see this person has power in their life. I see this person has deliverance in their life. I see this person has wealth creation in their life. And he constantly points out. We see the first old man, and he's constantly pointing out their sin. What's wrong with them? Why they do this? Why they act this way? Why they do what they do? We as the church and as believers as a whole, we're called to define people by who they really are in Jesus not who they are on the earth, and, but by how heaven sees them. Genesis, it says, we got God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and they're having their little powwow, their weekly uh, planning meeting. Um, and Jesus, or God says to him, hey, you guys, let's make man in our image. We're going to create something in our image. And the old man continues to drive around, looking at people, seeing people. These two different representations, these first two, they represent a church that is not Bible-believing. Because they're not focused on what God is saying about us, they're focused on behaviors and issues that God has already dealt with in Christ. If we live our life looking at people's sin, looking at people's shortcomings, their faults, we all have faults. Anybody have faults in here? Shortcomings? Yep. All right. Everybody who didn't raise their hand, hi, Jesus. Um, But those two mindsets of we've got to correct what people are doing is dangerous. The church is not in the business of behavior modification. The, sh- the church should be in the business of identity discovery. We were never designed, the body of Christ was never designed to be behavior modification. We were designed to be gold diggers. We were designed to dig for gold, find out, people, find out who people are, and help them discover their identity. Christians are, we pan for gold. We grab up the dirt, we grab up everything that's bad and we look through it and we sift through it and we find pieces of gold. That is what the church is called to do. Romans 6.11 says this, it says, In the same way, consider yourselves to be dead as far as sin is concerned. Now you believe in Christ Jesus, so consider yourselves to be alive as far as God is concerned. Look, I want you guys to look behind you and say to the person behind you, you're dead.
Y'all look dead to me. All right. So I want you guys to understand this is God gives you permission to be dead to your old self. Romans says, as far as as God is concerned, you are dead to sin. Paul's saying, consider yourself dead to sin because God considers you dead to sin and and consider yourself alive to Christ. God gives us permission to be dead to sin. The enemy gives us permission to be alive to sin, alive to our old nature. He gives us permission to believe that our old nature is still alive and kicking and needs to be worked on or rehabilitated. How many of you guys know we have enough rehabilitation centers in this world that aren't functioning correctly, that are not changing people, that are not transforming people's lives? They, they teach you how to cope with your addiction. They teach you how to cope with your disease, whatever it is. They teach you how to cope and make it through, but you've got to attend meetings every week just to be able to cope with that. God says, you are dead to sin. I give you permission to be dead to addiction. I give you permission to be dead to any sin in your life. But the enemy comes in and he goes, hey, by the way, I give you permission to pick that back up. I give you permission to, to dig that old man up and start moving around like Weekend at Bernie's. We've got, as a church, we've got a lot of grave diggers. It's like, well, you know, I'm just struggling with this. And and God says, you don't have to struggle with this because I give you permission not to struggle with it. We don't need rehabilitation. If you are in Christ, you are what? A new creation. God is not trying to upgrade you, put add-ons to you, you know, make you look better, try to improve you. God killed you. He killed your old nature. You all look dead. God killed off your old nature with Jesus. Jesus didn't die for you. He died as you. Think about that again. Jesus died as you, not for you. When it says that he was the substitution for us, that means that instead of just taking our place, he became us. So when we died, when we were born again, we died with Christ and we came back. So when we think, oh, Jesus died for me. No, he didn't die for you. He died as you. So your old nature is gone and your new nature is present. You live in God. The first car is only focused on the old nature. All it can see is the old nature, the sin, the fault, the wrong behavior in people. All it produces is a negative mindset with negative outcomes. It deals with problems, not solutions. It's a religious spirit that creates God in its own image. So it can release judgment and anger upon people. 
and withhold and treat people and withhold what God would freely give to people. The second car is an old driver in a new car. It's a system trying to fix people that God has already fixed. God is not trying to fix people. When we are in Christ, we are what? New creation. The vehicle thinks that God has only done half the job. And I'm going to rehabilitate you in the name of Jesus. It's the same focus on the old nature. It's the same focus on the old man, but a new way to coach them out of their problems. It's not bad, but it's but God has already worked on them and fixed them, so why are we trying to fix them? I'm trying to fix you in the name of Jesus. I'm going to walk you out of addiction in the name of Jesus. But it says that we're a new creation. So if we're a new creation, that doesn't mean that we've been upgraded. It's not like the $5 million man, we've got to add an arm and a, and a new mind and a new heart. And God says, oh, by the way, your old is gone and I'm going to give you a new heart, a new mind, a new spirit, and everything has changed. But we go back to digging graves and going, oh, I'm just going to dig them up because I've got to find something in there. I know there's something I still needed in there that I'm going to dig up. Paul says, consider yourselves dead, dead to sin. And then he says, so consider yourselves to be alive as far as God is concerned. Our old nature is dead. Consider it dead. Leave it where it's at. Remember when you were kids and you're walking down the road and as kids we're naturally curious about things and you see a dead animal and you're poking it with a stick and your mom goes, leave it where it is. Move away from it. God's saying the same thing. He goes, you're, you're a new creation. Leave the dead things where they are. You leave dead things where they're at and let them lie. God killed off Jesus because Jesus took our place. He died as us. Abraham brings his son Isaac to the mountaintop and his son's like, hey, daddy, where's, where are we going to find the sacrifice? And all Abraham replies is, God will, God will supply. Okay, la, 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 la. You know, he's walking his way up there. Abraham knows what he's going to do. He's going to kill his son because God has asked him to. But when he gets up there, he's about ready to plunge the knife into his son. An angel stops him, and there's a ram in the thicket. What was that? God provided a substitution, someone to die in Isaac's place for him. Because he had a, Abraham had a promise that his family would be as numerous as the stars. So God brings Jesus into the world and says, you know what? I'm going to bring him into the world to die in, in place of these people, to die as them so I don't have to kill the people that I love. I'm going to sacrifice one time so I don't have to sacrifice every one of them. Second Corinthians 5.17. I'm going to read you this from the Amplified. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 
that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as a savior. He is a new creation, reborn, renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, new things have come because spiritual awakening brings new life. I'll read it to you in a modified short version. It says this. That means if you belong to Christ, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone. A new life has begun. You're brand new. Not old, not refurbished, not a piece of furniture that's sitting in our garage right now waiting to be sanded, painted, and stained. You are brand new. Right off the showroom floor with like zero miles on it, Beautiful, nothing wrong with it, perfectly flawless in God's eyes. Think about that. When God says, you are a new creation, but we take on that, well, God's just fixing me here and there, and we take on that idea of, I'm still alive, and God's just fixing little areas in my life. I'm a lump of coal, but soon I'll be a diamond. That, that phrase makes me angry. I want to reach through the stereo and punch whoever said that for the first time. Because we're not. God created us when we died. We, our spiritual man died and Christ died for us so we can become perfectly new in God. You're brand new. You're not refurbished. You're not a uh, floor model. You're not whatever. You are brand new. When God created us, he created us in his image. We all carry his image. But sin comes in and messes that up. But when he says, hey, when you believe in me, you shall be saved. He says, I'm going to take you. I'm going to hold you under the water. I'm going to kill the old man. And when you come back up, there's brand new, nothing wrong, no sin, no nothing. And so when we accept Christ as Savior, we're basically doing this as we're, we're dying to self. We're saying, you know what? I don't want to be the old way. I don't, I don't want the old addiction. I don't want the old pain. I don't want the old um, everything. I don't want that. So what he does is he says, you know what? I'm going to send Christ. He's going to die for you as you, in a replacement for you, as substitution as as a lamb that is perfectly innocent to take to put all the sin of your sin on him and he's going to die in place of you even though he's perfect and never done anything wrong he's going to die as you so you can have the freedom and now experience what he's going to experience in hell first corinthians 130 because of because of God, you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. In Christ, we are put right with God and have made, been made holy and have been set free from sin. So the scripture says, if people want to brag, they should brag only in the Lord. Nothing we can do can make us right with God. Nothing we can do can make us brand new. We can't do a restart, you know, we can't play, uh, you know, playing Mario Brothers. Oh, died, restart, I'm going to try again. 
We don't have that. We can't, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep on trying and hopefully God will be okay with it. It really comes down to is this, is accepting Jesus Christ as Savior and saying, you know what, my old life is gone because I've accepted Christ as Savior. My addiction, my pain, my worry, everything that came with my old life is dead because I am a new creation. So if it's gone in your old life, quit digging it back up. Quit crawling out into the middle of the graveyard in the middle of the night with a shovel and start digging it up going, I know there's something in there I needed. I know there's something in there I needed. There is nothing in the old man that we need. Because of Jesus, we have four things we need to walk out in this life. In 1 Corinthians 1, 30 through 31, it says this, or it says that we have wisdom, we have righteousness, we have holiness, and we have redemption. I think those four things can get us through the rest of our lives. We have wisdom, we have righteousness, we have holiness, and we have redemption. God has given us wisdom. We are righteous in his eyes. We are holy before God. And we have redemption through Christ Jesus. I've got a question for you. Was Jesus judged enough for sin? Was Jesus judged enough for sin? You guys are thinking about that. What was, that? What was the answer? Yes. Was Jesus punished enough for sin? Did God pour out every last drop of wrath, anger, and indignation on Jesus on the cross? All right, you guys answered yes, because if you answered no, there's not a safe person in this room, but think about this. But we we don't think that that he did. We act like he didn't. Well, you know, I just uh, struggling with this and struggling with that. And God's like, you don't have to struggle with that. You're not that person that you were a week ago, a year ago, whenever you got saved. You are new. You have wisdom, you have holiness, you have righteousness, and you have redemption through me. So why are we doing this? Why are we looking at the old man and going, well, I'm going to kind of pick up that kind of stuff because that was good. He says, I've set you free from that. Quit bringing yourself back into bondage of that. Satan's back there, you know, you got to pick up that. You know, it was pretty fun. You got to do that. And God's like, you're dead to that. And Satan's like, hey, pick it back up. You're still alive to this. God had to pour it all on Jesus so we could be right with him. He had to put every ounce of wrath, pain, suffering on Jesus so we could be right with him. He was judged. You guys ever been judged by somebody? Yeah, that doesn't feel good. There's that, that it's, just kind of, it's a spirit that just looms over you and hovers over you. And you, every time you see that person, every time you're around that person or somebody brings up that name, it's just like, man, I just feel like I'm being judged. Think about that. The judgment of everybody, everybody in the world, present, past, future, brought upon Jesus and his own father laying that upon him. We got to quit thinking God is. We got to quit thinking that God is angry because He poured out all of His anger on Jesus. Can you imagine the wrath and the anger of God poured out upon Him? We look at the Old Testament and the wrath of God came on some people sometimes, and I can't imagine what that was like. But can you imagine the entire human race ever existing 
the wrath and the anger of God and his judgment being poured out upon Jesus. God had to pour it all on Jesus so we could be right with him. Because we were included in his death, burial, and resurrection. So when we accept Christ, we're included in that death, burial, and resurrection. Because what happens is this, is when we accept Christ, he says, you know what, I'm giving my old man up. So God says, oh, okay, you're giving that up. I now can put that, check that off. Your old man died with Jesus. Your old man died with Jesus, and it was his death, burial, and resurrection. So Jesus dies, and he comes back. They don't even recognize him because he had new. Think about it. They didn't recognize him because he was, he was different. He didn't look the same. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't even sound the same because they didn't even understand who he was until he released his power and said, it is me. And they're like, master. And then they realized who he was. So if we're included in that death, burial, and resurrection, that means that we're new, that our old man and our new man should look completely different. That the old sin nature should look completely different. And it says in the Bible that we were washed white as snow. So there's a difference between mud and blood covered and white as snow. You ever looked at yourself one, one day and you go back the next morning, you look at yourself like, whoa, it should be like that. It should be a, a stark contrast of old man and new man. So we should look at the old man and say, I don't even know who that is. I don't even know who that is. What, I don't understand what they do. And the old man should, should look at the new man and go, why am I buried? And the old man should, and the new man should re- not respond and move on. We're brand new. We're not repurposed, refurbished. We're not a, a nice coat of paint to make us look new. We're not touch-up paint. Oh, there's sin here. I'll just put a little touch-up paint here. I'll put a little of the blood of Jesus on this spot, and I'll put a little bit of the blood of Jesus on this spot. It says that we are covered by the blood of Jesus. That means everything that we have is... It's like taking... If you look at in um, Exodus, they poured out over, um, oil over Aaron. And it covered him and it ran down his beard. So when we look at that, we got to think of it this way. God taking a picture, a picture of Jesus' blood and pouring it over us and the shedding of his blood covering every piece of us. So that nothing is not covered by the blood of Jesus. But God says, I'm, you're a new man. But we say, well, I don't know about that. And God says, well, no, you're a new man. I've got proof. I wrote it down for you. You're a new man. Well, I don't know about that. Go back and read it. I have proof. But those two vehicles, those three, excuse me, those two vehicles and two different drivers. People need people who can call out their, their destiny. They need people who can call out their identity, call out the gold, find the gold in them and dig it out and pull it out and refine it. We don't need five-step programs to help. I'm not saying programs don't help people. What I'm saying is this, is we got to quit looking at people and saying, well, you know, Jesus did his work on the cross, and, but I think I can add to it. 
or I think I need to, to add a little bit more just to complete the, the process. You're about 99.6%. I'm going to add that extra 4% and we'll, and we'll be okay with that. And then, you know, I'm going to help Jesus finish his, his work. It said, when Jesus said it is finished, he said, it's finished. Everything I'm doing now, it is finished. The sin of the world is taken upon me. You can be a new man and it is finished. But we go, well, you know, I can kind of see where we can tweak them a little bit, make them look a little bit better. We can fix them. It's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll paint a little bit here. We'll, we'll, we'll add a couple of things here to make it look better. And God is just saying, why are you messing with something that is perfectly brand new? You don't buy a brand new car and go, well, I think I'm going to fix this and I'm going to fix this and I'm going I'm to do this. And it's like, you don't have to because it's new. There, it, it works. When you buy a brand new car, you don't have to go and, and replace the spark plugs because the spark plugs are new. You don't have to replace the engine because the engine is new. You don't get it and go, well, I don't know if it's going to run okay. It's only got 12 miles on it, but I don't know if it's going to run okay. Or, you know, I got this brand new truck and you know what it's got 12 miles on it. i just don't know about it i think i need to get a new i need to i need to put a new engine in it but think about that in when we when we were in christ we are created with a new heart we have a new mind we have a new spirit everything is brand new so there's no reason to do that god just builds upon it and builds upon it and builds upon it So are we a Bible-believing church that says, you know what, I see identity in people, I see potential in people, or are we a non-Bible-believing church that says, you know what, their sin, this sin, that thing, this, this, I got to fix this, we got to create a, 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 a Thursday night program for this, and we got to do this, we got to do this. No, we need to remind people that they are brand new. Remind people who they are in Christ. Remind people that they have power that they have authority, that they have resurrection power in them. We are not in the business of behavior modification. We are in the business of identity identification. We see something in them, we identify it, and we say, you are this. Instead of, well, you know, you need to tweak this, you need to fix that. We are dead to sin and alive to Christ. The old has come, the new is gone. Excuse me, the old is gone, the new has come. No rehabilitation, no patches, no bondo, no anything. God killed off our old nature with Jesus, just just remember that the old life is the old life. The new life is the new life. You guys ever ever in your life wanted to have a restart? Like, if I could just go back 10 years and restart something, or if I could ever do this? Yeah. I think we all have had a moment in our life where we can say, if I could go back, like, five minutes, man, I just... If I could go back five minutes, I'd totally tell myself, don't do it. That was totally stupid. Don't do that. The cool thing is, is we don't, we don't have to have a restart. God gives us clean slate. So there are no restarts. God says, oh, by the way, not a restart. You know, when you screwed up in the past, it's gone. You get a fresh start. 
John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his only son. That he would become sin for us so we would not have to be separated from God. Let's pray.